Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good evening and welcome to Tunnel Vision, a show presented to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Jack Smith, joined in studio by Ryan Abraham and Connor Morissette, and we're previewing, previewing USC's head out to Boulder to face the University of Colorado. It's prime time for USC in a couple of ways, playing at 9 a.m. on big noon kickoff on Saturday and going off against Deion Sanders and this new-look Colorado team, a team that has never beaten USC, but who knows, there's been a lot made out of this matchup that's going to go on on Saturday. So we're going to break everything down for you. You can, if you have specific questions, put them in the chat either on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you're watching. We can get them on the screen. You can also call into the show at 5124 Tunnel. We'll be able to answer any of your brief questions. We'll get to that a little bit later. That'll be more towards the end of the show. But guys, it's great to be back in the studio with you. We've got kind of a stinker going on on Thursday Night Football, so I'm sure there'll be more people watching Tunnel Vision. So I'm going to give the floor to you guys, but there's a little bit more pressure, so don't do anything wrong. Yeah, good. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown doing well, looks like, for the Detroit Lions, former... Uh Second in command at USC, uh, Brandon Sosno over there, like tinkering behind the scenes. So yeah, the lines are killing them. So not much of a game there. So switch over from Amazon, go to YouTube and check out Tunnel Vision, of course. Definitely great to be with you guys. So excited for Deion Sanders, Colorado, primetime Saturday. It's going to be early breakfast in Boulder. Everyone's saying, have you guys seen the list of celebrities that are supposed to be at this game? Z, LeBron with Bronny potentially. So the hype is real, even though Colorado lost that first game. Just the hype around this game and the hype on the field is going to be awesome with so many big-time names and fans. I don't even know who these people will be rooting for, but it'll be great to see a lot of them. Hopefully, I can see them from the press box. Well, I think I saw that Snoop Dogg and Will Ferrell are supposed yeah, there to be you on the go. list. Yeah, that's, like, that's USC. Those are the two celebrities that you can pencil in. Like They'll be rooting for USC, but other than that, it's like... Do you believe LeBron is like definitely rooting for you? Like, there's a lot of people that are going to go out there and root for Deion Sanders because he's Deion Sanders, and that's kind of the spin the story of Colorado's season so far. Yeah, they get a lot of fans. I mean, and I think when in USC and Reggie Bush and Matt Liner were rolling, just a lot of LA people kind of came in. Well, Deion Sanders has a huge reach, and you're going to get celebrities that may be involved with him. I mean, he's on all these national commercials, checking all this stuff out. Obviously, you know, just uh, I mean, there's YouTube shows about him, Netflix, everything. There's everything going on about Dion. So a lot of hype, a little bit of the shine maybe came off, you know, with the you know bludgeoning that they took uh, up in uh, Eugene. But Fox is still, you know, promoting this as like the game of the year and all that stuff. I mean, up, even on Sunday, they were still putting the old rankings up there that Colorado was ranked and USC was ranked. Um, so I... You know, it's another opportunity for Colorado to kind of showcase uh, what they've been able to do. 
I, I think they're probably going to run into a little bit of a buzzsaw with USC. We'll kind of talk about all that stuff. But it's, I think it's great for college football. I did like Denver radio this morning, and that's just they're, the fact that they're all talking about Dion and, and what's going on there. I mean, he's great for Colorado football. I think he's great for the Pac-12, even though it's the last season here in college football. And, uh, you know, it, in a game that you're a 21-point favorite, um, it it creates a lot more intrigue, you know. Like if if this was you were on the road at Washington State and you're a 21 point favorite, nobody cares. Like people are going to care about this one. People are caring a lot about Washington State this year, but I think you're right. Yes. Right, Dion, in a normal year, yeah. and and he's <laughs> and he's bringing over a new generation, kind of a new demographic of college football fans. Like there are NFL fans that don't really care too much for college football, but he is bringing over a lot of new college football fans in because everyone wants to just see what is, well, what does Colorado look like with Deion Sanders? And you know, the eyeballs have certainly been out there. The football team did not perform exceptionally well last week. I guess we could say against Oregon, as Ryan mentioned, and we can get into more of that and how the team matches up with USC. But I think we could start maybe with just this rebuild for Colorado in general where Deion Sanders comes in the huge transfer exodus and then transfer players coming in and basically a whole new look roster with Shadur Sanders his son leading the way Lincoln Riley mentioned he thought there were some similarities between this year's Colorado team and last year's USD team so what's your guys take on the entire rebuild I guess of, of Colorado in year one under Dion? Yeah, it's funny. I did the uh, that Denver radio station at, you know earlier today and they were asking about that and you know Lincoln Riley completely Seemed like he changed the game, bringing in as many transfers and high-profile transfers that he did. You bring in the eventual Heisman Trophy winner. You bring in the reigning Bolitnikoff Award winner, a whole bunch of other guys uh, from big programs, big-name players. And, you know, there was a good number of them. And there was a smaller recruiting class and a bigger transfer class. And he was kind of going back and forth with Lane Kiffin. You know, they're trying to who's going to be the portal king and all that. And USC, you know, was a four and eight team, but you know, you had guys like Tuli Tui Peloto on that team. You had, you know, future NFL dudes that were there. You needed to rework the roster, but you didn't necessarily need to just, you know, strip it down to the studs. And that's what Dion did. I mean, you know, whatever Lincoln Riley did, Dion's like, hey, hold my beer and I'm gonna show you what's going on here. And took it to a, a level that we'll probably never see again. Cause you would need a team that's historically bad like Colorado was. They were one of the worst teams you've ever seen. You would need to bring in a prominent head coach that's like, I mean, transcends sport, just goes everywhere and has a huge name that can like bring in all the players that he would want and bring in a good recruiting class. It just it had to be like kind of a perfect storm for this to happen. So I don't know if we'll see it again, but he's proving that you can do that and look like a competitive team. Colorado was not a competitive team. They were losing by 30 points a game last year. Now they're a competitive team. You can say, oh, TCU is not that good or whatever it is. That's fine. But they are they are a real competitive team now compared to what they were last year. And that's Dion working his magic, you know, in a few months. The transfer portal definitely raised their floor way, way higher than anyone expected. I remember a couple of weeks ago, Ryan, we were talking how all about all these anonymous coaches before the era of Colorado. They could be the worst Power 5 team, not this year, but maybe in the past 10 years. It, it's never going to work with all these transfers. And I think the lesson is you can't overhaul a roster in one offseason through the transfer portal and compete for a championship, but you can get a hell of a lot better. Yeah. And Colorado's certainly done that. It helps when you can bring in a quarterback like Shooter Sanders, similar to, of course, he's not as talented as Caleb Williams, but still really talented. When you have that guy you can build around that makes a big difference, that's where it's all started for Colorado. And then they've brought in a lot of good skill guys. The receivers are good. I think it's probably the best receiving core USC has played so far this season. A lot of interesting things going on in Boulder, and I'm excited for this game because I think USC last week 
maybe learned a lot about themselves, and we'll see how they can apply it this week. But going back to just what you said about Colorado, the, the transfer portal has changed everything for them, and it's been cool to see. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too. Like Last year's USC team got a lot better, of course, 4-8 and eight to being in a New Year's Six Bowl. You brought in Caleb Williams. You brought in guys like Mario Williams. You brought in a lot of guys that kind of around the edges, but they just could not fully fix that defensive line. And Lincoln Riley mentioned it was an area where they weren't very deep. Outside of Tuli Tuli Pelotu, you didn't really have much. So they brought in some of those kind of periphery pieces that could really elevate your team, but not not fully solidify and bring a 4-8 and eight team to a championship caliber team. And I think you're seeing a similar thing going on at Colorado this year. It's one of the worst offensive lines in the country. Their defensive line has not been very good. They don't run the ball particularly well. I think it's 56 yards a game they're averaging. No team or only one team has given up more sacks than Colorado, and that's Old Dominion. So not <laughs> company that you want to be in. So clearly it is not a perfect team. And I think that was shown last week when they played Oregon. That kind of brought some people down to earth that we're talking about. Well, could Dion win the national championship in year one? It's like, that, that's not going to happen. But it is still a remarkable turnaround because we saw that Colorado team come into the Coliseum and everyone was shocked at how close it was after one quarter. And no one was shocked after, you know, how much of a blowout it was by the end of the game because Colorado just was not a good team this year. They're not, I don't think, a national championship or even Pac-12 championship caliber team this year. No. But they're a good football team. They're a objectively, you know, an above average to good football team. And that's saying a lot from where they came from. Um, because it was it was not good last year, but I think Connor's right that you can't fully overhaul and change the team in year one, but you can certainly change the trajectory, and I think that's what Dion has done so far at Colorado. Yeah, and I think TCU's you know they're, they're, that initial win they look like a better team. They, they're not terrible; like they look okay. Um, but we knew the depth was going to be an issue. The line play was going to be an issue. Like they can't stop the run. They're not really good at running the football. They're giving up. Uh, so many sacks. Um, Shador Sanders, I mean, he's a tough kid, man. He's He got sacked seven times last week and coming back. USC sacked Drew Pine eight times last week, and he's out this week. So uh, you got to give him credit. But you knew there was going to be some issues, line play, depth. You know, losing a guy like Travis Hunter is going to be tough. You know, that's it's just one of those things where he's like an All-America on both sides of the ball. You needed players like that to sort of fill in some gaps and – and he was a huge difference maker. Like they're not they're not three and zero to start the season without him. And now you're without him. And I think a team like Oregon and a team like USC can sort of take advantage of this, where they're going to be better. Um, they can push them around. You're going to have better line play. You just have better players overall. And it's one, it's kind of the opposite of what happens with USC. USC gets this bump. Well, Colorado was getting a bump, and Oregon looks better. They they get like a ranked win over a team that's really they were overmatched. You know, they were a huge favorite for a reason. Um, you know, 21 point favorite. USC is the same. And I feel like, you know, it's one of those things where if USC takes care of business, you get a big win. You know, if you beat Colorado by 28 points, it, it's a it's better than if you beat Arizona State by 28 points. And so you can get a little bump from this. But yeah, I, yeah they've improved tremendously. But you knew there was going to be depth issues that's starting to show already. You knew the line play was going to be tough. Um, so if you're USC, you just got to go in there and take care of business. But it's dangerous. They're a dangerous team where last year's team wasn't dangerous really at all. They can only beat Cal. That was, you know, that was a weird one. But outside of that, they weren't going to beat beat anybody. They could beat some people this year. Maybe not USC, maybe not Oregon, maybe not Washington, teams like that. But they can beat some teams and, uh, you know, and, and kind of build that resume for Deion Sanders. I do think they're dangerous, especially for a USC team that – left Tempe with some question marks after a road performance that wasn't as good as a lot of people expected. Would I be surprised if USC came into Colorado, played really well, covered the spread? No. But again, USC's defense... 
didn't play particularly well against Arizona State at times, and now the offense of Colorado is better than that ASU's offense, I think, objectively. ASU had a lot of problems on its offensive line, and Colorado does as well, but ASU showed that even if you do have some issues, there are creative ways to, to get around that and to put USC in bad positions. We saw that a whole lot. I think more than a lot of fans would have wanted USC being in some bad spots last week. So I, I think this is definitely the trickiest game of the year so far. The fact that it's on the road, that's a great equalizer for Colorado. That place is going to be going nuts. USC had some issues with efficiency between getting the play call in from the sideline, snapping the ball, some pre-snap penalties. They've said all week they're working on it. Of course they are after some of those errors. Now we'll get a chance to see what that's like a week after, because I think it's fair to have some question marks going into this game following what we saw against Arizona State. Yep. Yeah, I feel like the most interesting part of this week going to practice is you're kind of wondering, well, Colorado has played two pretty chippy games. They've gone at the, you know, the opponent the last two weeks in the media as well as on the field trash talking. What's USC's take going to be? And they were pretty reserved. They all kind of had that same one message. Well, we're going to play the game on our terms. And I know, Connor, you've been pretty surprised with how complimentary Deion Sanders has been of Lincoln Riley. And I don't want to you know, say because I'm not sure that's the exact reason it's happened, but it sure seems like Colorado was kind of humbled last week where you know, before the game, Shiloh Sanders, who's one of Deion's sons that's on the team, plays safety. He's been pretty good this year, but he went right into the face of the Oregon cameras and saying, I'm going to beat you guys and your coach. And he threw in some expletives there. And he's like, why, why, are, you, why are you guys so little? And ends up, you know, leaving the game with injury, everything like that. So I felt like, you know, Colorado maybe was brought down a peg with that loss to Oregon. I think they realize, hey, we don't need to be giving teams this ammunition because that's one of the reasons they almost lost to Colorado State. It's one of the reasons that Travis Hunter isn't playing today or on, on Saturday is because, you know, there was a hit in that game that both those teams were going at each other and Hunter got injured because of, you know, a hit on the sideline. So, you know, Colorado has roped it back a bit. USC was not biting at all. They're not giving Colorado any kind of bulletin board material. But I'm interested in your guys' take on that going to practice this week. No, yeah, it's it's been very complimentary. Um, it's just not you're not going to hear some of the. I don't think Lincoln Riley feels slighted that people are paying attention to Deion Sanders. That's USC kind of gets that treatment. Usually teams are feel slighted. Um, you know, if you're Utah and you're like, why is everybody talking about USC? We had a caller on the podcast of champions or a emailer um, that's a Denver, you know, fan and they hate that, you know, hey, Denver's good, but why is everyone talking about the Lakers? There's sort of that thing. Um, there's some parallels there, but you're, you're, you're Dan Lanning or Landanning, we like to say on the podcast of champions, you're up at Oregon. And I, you feel like there's a little bit of a chip. And they came out really wanting to send a message, and they did, and say, hey, we can beat your ass. And they, they completely did that. Um, but I don't think that's the same sort of motivation on the Lincoln Riley side. You're used to getting a lot of the attention, and for you, it's good. I mean, I feel like you're raising the profile of this game. That blowout game in Eugene got a similar number, TV number, to what Ohio State at Notre Dame got. Like, think about that. Like, there's a blowout game. Colorado State, Colorado got a huge number. It had game day. Had So I think you. it's sort of like the rising tide, you know, lifts all ships. And this is what's happening here. USC is already one of those rising tides places. And now you're, like, going to Colorado. All the hype around it and stuff. So, yeah, I feel like this is a positive um, overall, um, you know, for USC and for Colorado. It's just one of those things where – and if you're Deion Sanders – you, you know, you took your lumps, right? You said they kicked our ass or whatever. He said it was something along those lines. But I feel like you can kind of use this too and go, 
you know, we had Travis Hunter out if Shiloh Sanders doesn't play. We had a bunch of guys injured, and you lose to, like, the big, like, Oregon, USC or whatever. Like, the, the schedule gets tougher. But then you could make some sort of a run later on when you get guys healthy, and that's something you can sell, too. So he's a salesman. He's a marketer extraordinaire. So it's good if you have, I don't want to say excuse, but you have some kind of reason, like, yeah, those teams were really good, but... You know, we had a bunch of guys out. Once we got those guys back and they start making a run again, that's something you can sell too. So he's a master at this kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, it just makes the hype around it good. And I think it's a good thing for USC as long as you can go in there and take care of business. With the mutual respect between Riley and Deion Sanders, I mean, two weeks ago, Jay Norvell says the sunglasses thing, and then that's a huge story ahead of Colorado State, Colorado. And then last week, it's kind of quiet before the game from the Oregon side, and then Oregon starts kicking Colorado's behind, and then the speech from the pregame with Dan Lanning leaks a little bit, or what? maybe that was scheduled to come out. I don't know, but it seemed interesting. I was getting all these notifications once Oregon built up that big lead, and then he has his halftime interview. So that was kind of during and after the game was when Oregon said its piece. Before the game, Colorado State said its piece. USC, they're not going to say anything. No. Going in, I was not surprised at all. They've been so complimentary of Colorado. If USC wins 55-0, to zero, they're not going to say anything <laughs> the way Oregon did. This is just kind of business as usual for USC, and it's how Lincoln Riley conducts the program. We're not going to hear anything, even if it's, I said 55, if it's 100 to nothing, USC <laughs> is just going to do what they do, focus on themselves. Lincoln Riley said at half, or after the Stanford game where they were up 49-3 at halftime, we're not in this to send messages, and I think uh, no matter what happens, they won't try to send a message. They'll just let their play do the talking. Yeah, yeah. I think we saw like kind of the first hint of that last year, where it's the UCLA week, and Dorian Thompson Robinson's got some comments about USC, and that that matchup obviously is a chippy one. It's a big rivalry for the Trojans, and we're asking everyone in practice, hey, what are what are your thoughts on what Dorian Thompson Robinson said? Uh, well, I've got no thoughts. <laughs> got no thoughts. And then the smallest peep came out after the game, where you've got you know Brett Nealon, you know maybe a little emotional because it's his last matchup with UCLA. He calls them the teddy bears after the game. Like if anything, if if USC is going to trash talk. At all it'll be after they win but I think they're smarter than to put that out there as not only potential bulletin board material for Colorado going into the matchup but just something that could potentially backfire and Oregon I think with Dan Lanning's pregame speech he knew they were going to win he knew Oregon was a better team and that's a bit you know it's a good recruiting pitch and it's everything like that so I know I think USC you know knows they can win some matchups but they also if you trash talk before a game and Colorado I think figured it out this week it can backfire if you lose. Like they, it looks really bad when Shiloh Sanders is looking into the camera saying, "Why are you guys so little?" And then they lose by so many points. Like that yeah. is, it's not a good look. And I think USC is above that. And you know, I also just don't think that they want to have a, a big war-like game with Colorado this early in the season. They know there's bigger things ahead. Yeah, agree, hundred percent. But that's why it's you know it's going to be a lot of fun. And hopefully, you guys can come out to Boulder if a, people are making the trip. We're actually going to do a little meetup uh, in Boulder on Friday night. So big Pac-12 game, Oregon State's hosting Utah. You know, Utah's going to be on USC schedule. It's on USC schedule, of course. Uh, but the Dark Horse is a uh, pretty famous bar in Boulder. So 6 p.m. is kickoff. We should be able to get there by then. We're, we're flying to Denver like at 4. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see some USC fans come out. We had a bunch of people come out to uh, Boondocks in uh, Scottsdale last week. So we'll do a little meetup again this week. And, uh, yeah, hope we can see some of you guys. We also we talked about yeah I know you guys talked on the Peristyle podcast earlier this week about kind of that USC Arizona State game looking back on it a couple of days later whether Trojan fans should be concerned so if you guys have you know specific questions about USC and you know if you're concerned go back and watch that one let's talk about how USC matches up with Colorado because I think 
I, I don't think they match up quite as well as, as Oregon did. And obviously it's at home for Colorado. So I'm not saying that, you know, USC is going to allow like 20 yards at halftime. I'm not sure the Colorado is going to have that much of a stinker because they're playing at Folsom Field. But how do you guys feel like the Trojans match up with the Buffaloes? Well, I always start with the USC defense because I think that's the most important place to start with how the team set up. I expect the offense to have a great game, and we can get into that in a little bit. But defensively, something is going to have to give. Shadir Sanders com- completes just under 80% of his passes. He's had a lot of success. He's looked really good this season other than that Oregon game. But he gets sacked a ton, and the Oregon, or the Colorado excuse me, offensive line is not very good. So if Shadir Sanders is completing the passes at the rate that he has this season against USC, I think that's a concern. USC, the pass rush, that's the strength of their defense. If they're making uh, a mess of that Colorado offensive line and getting to Sanders, then I think the completion percentage will be a lot lower and they'll force turnovers. So that's the, the first matchup that I'm looking at. USC, what do they do best? We saw eight sacks against Arizona State. They get to that quarterback, even if some of those sacks were a little bit later in the game than many fans would have wanted. They still count just the same. A sack is a sack. That's the biggest matchup for me going in. No, I would agree there. And you, There's strengths and weaknesses. And uh, when you're looking at this, I think, Colorado is going to play better. Like one thing I you have to, too. and I think when we did a show on on uh, Sunday night, and people are just kind of like up in arms and like this, you, you got a sixty minute window of what a team looks like, and sometimes things just sort of line up and go a certain way. And when Colorado went to Oregon, like there was a lot of things that were aligned to let Oregon just blow them out. And I think the same thing when USC went to Tempe, a lot of things were in line to allow that game to be closer than what a lot of people expected it to be. Some of them were self-inflicted wounds on USC. Some of them, what, what ASU was doing, you know, being at home, all that stuff. There's certain things sort of like kind of line up. I feel like Colorado is going to bounce back and play better, but I also feel that like USC is going to bounce back and play better. The, the, the most trouble they had on the road with getting in the plays and all that, that was a huge part of the game against Arizona State because they just weren't, it wasn't in sync. And they looked like that when they played Oregon State last year. And then after that, you know, even when you're playing at Utah, they seemed to, that didn't seem to be a big issue. So I feel like that's going to get better. You get the plays in, you're it's going to be a little bit more efficient. Once you got into a play against Arizona State, like it was working. And I feel like you're going to do that against Colorado. It's going to work. Like Colorado's not very good at stopping anything, but certainly not the run. And I think Lincoln Riley realized, man, we could have run the ball more against Mar- you know with Marshawn Lloyd. So I feel like they're going to be able to control a lot of the tempo and a lot of the game with just running the ball. Of course, Caleb can do his thing. Um, I think it's going to be really tough for uh, Colorado to kind of do much to stop USC's offense. And then, you know, on the defensive side, USC is really good. I think number three in the country and like the chaos plays, like over 17% of plays uh, for USC end up in like, you know, turnover or tackle for loss and things like that. But they give up uh, more than their share of explosive plays. So can Shador Sanders take advantage of that? Um, I feel like the pressure that's going to be put on him, and this is game after game after game. Like this is, he got seven seven sacks last week. I think USC can get at least six. You know they're averaging almost six a sack, sacks a game, given up. So USC can be right up there, forcing those negative plays. That's something I know you guys don't like to say the name Alex Rich, but that's something he really likes to do. He likes to force these third and long situations. And uh, I think you're going to be able to do that with Colorado, but can Shador Sanders come out and hit that big play? And will USC continue to miss tackles and have that, you know, be able to convert, you know, Colorado convert third and longs. Um, Will USC turn the ball over kind of silly like they did against Arizona state. I feel like USC is going to clean a lot of that stuff up, but 
Both teams, to me, I think are going to play better than what you saw last week. But USC's ceiling is so much higher. If they both play better, I like USC to just kind of play their normal game and get a pretty big win on the road. But, you know, Colorado's dangerous. Um, but I just feel like the what USC does well, it's going to be tough for Colorado to stop. And I don't know if Colorado can take advantage of some of the weaknesses on USC's defense that some of the other teams have. Yeah, I posted about posted about this on Twitter the other day that like USC's defense is better than last year. Like I know there were shades of the game uh, against Arizona State that looked like the last year defense, like the 2022 defense that was not good, simply was not good. But there are areas that they are significantly better, and one of those areas is quarterback pressure. They're top ten in the nation and overall pressure rate as a team. They're the top team in the nation when it comes to getting pressure without blitzing guys, and I think that that is going to be a big part of the game against Colorado because Shadur Sanders has been getting sacked a. Lot. Clearly, he's been under pressure a lot. USC, th- that kind of plays into their strength. But one of the things that does look like the 2022 defense has been the tackling, at least for the last couple games. They started out okay. Every game since then basically has been worse and worse and worse tackling, especially when you're tackling in space, when it's people from the secondary coming up or it's linebackers trying to fill a hole. The tackling has not been good enough for what USC is trying to do defensively. The pressure's there, but I don't think the tackling is. So I think, you know, you're going to look at a Colorado game plan. They don't want Schneider to get hit. They want to make USC tackle in space. What does that make them do? I I think they're going to be getting the ball out pretty quick. Shadur Sanders is going to be trying to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, make USC tackle without giving them a chance to really put pressure on Shadur, bring him down. So I think USC needs to be ready to tackle out in space, tackle early into plays, because I don't think that the Colorado offense back-to-back weeks is going to go in with a, a not-so-great game plan to get Shadur either you know hit or hurt or taken down, anything like that. And they're going to try and take advantage of where they see USC's weakness on defense, which so far has definitely seemed like the tackling, like it was last year. But I would caution people on saying that, well, USC's defense is just as bad as last year, because last year they're not getting seven sacks in the fourth quarter. I don't care if it was against Arizona State. like They're not getting seven sacks in the fourth quarter against anyone, because they they weren't getting that kind of pressure. They weren't, you know, as uh, I guess strong in the ru- in the rush lanes. That was an improvement. And and if you don't think that's an improvement, I think you have to look at it objectively and not with those kind of fan glasses on where you don't want to think this defense is improved because it's improved. It can improve in some areas and still not look pretty. The tackling did not look pretty against Arizona State, but there are things that are better on this defense. And I think the personnel is one of those big reasons. But USC is going to need to be prepared for Shadur to get the ball out quick, which means you're going to need to tackle in space. Um, And I think that you're going to have to see the play calling adjust a little bit because with USC being the top team in pressure rate without blitzing, you've got four down linemen there that can get after the quarterback without bringing extra guys. And Alex Grinch, and I know a lot of fans have talked about it, still likes to blitz. You know, maybe sometimes in situations like that first touchdown run for Arizona State that I know, Connor, you were talking about, maybe he doesn't need to. And I think in this game specifically, (laughs) if you can get pressure on Shadur with four guys, then you're giving yourselves a couple extra guys back there to tackle um, instead of feeling like you need to send six like USC did last year to get any kind of pressure. So I think that's what Colorado is going to look to do against this USC defense. And I think it's really, we're going to see whether they were able to find improvements on the tackling, the play calling, everything like that. We saw the linebackers in practice work on defending a running back, running a route from the backfield, and I think that's going to be a major talking point from this game. I think Colorado, they have the skill players to get some linebackers on those players and think that they have the better matchup. So I think this is a big, big week for the USC linebackers, especially last week when Mason Cobb said he was a little rusty and Lincoln Riley described him as being a little rusty. If he gets as many snaps as he did a week ago, I think he needs to be a really important player this week because I think Colorado is going to try to get those linebackers in space and make them 
cover some of these skill guys. I also am really excited to see who covers the tight end. Is Max Williams going to be on Michael Harrison? He was on Conyers last week, the Arizona State tight end for a few plays, and that didn't really work that well. It looks like if it's not Jalen Smith, it's going to be a safety on the tight end. And you know, it hasn't really worked great in the past. And Michael Harrison, he was great against Colorado State, caught the one touchdown against Oregon for Colorado. That might be a matchup problem. Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. are two of the best receivers outside of probably Elijah Badger last week for Arizona State that USC will play this year. So how do the corners look? How does Sierra Wright bounce back after giving up a touchdown last week? Christian Roland Wallace, what does he look like coming off of a good game? I think going in, we have a good amount of questions after last week, and it's cool that they're going to be answered so quickly. Another big road game. We're going to learn a lot. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think it's a good point you made, Jack, with um, Shooter Sanders does have a very high completion percentage, and yep. so you're probably talking about a lot of short passes and quick, and quick outs and stuff. So much more pressure on those linebackers, on that secondary that missed a lot of tackles against Arizona State to make the sure play. And I think you got to do that because if you're not, you're you're putting a lot more pressure on an offense if the three yard pass turns into a four yard gain and not a twelve yard gain, and that's I think that's what USC's been kind of giving up a lot. So if you allow the sh sort of short passes that look like little run plays as opposed to big chunk plays, then you can kind of put more pressure and make them try to you know go back and drop you know deeper drops, try to find someone downfield, and then the pass rush can get there. So I feel like that is where you got to watch. Like, can you make those short tackles right away? You allow some stuff underneath, and that's fine. But then, you know, you're, you you put them in longer situations where you can get the pass rush going and, and get a sack and force a negative play. So that's all kind of, you know, the sort of the chess match that's going on here. ASU came out, I thought, did a really good job to start, like, taking advantage of the aggression that USC's defensive front was putting up there. And, you know, Kenny Dillingham, I thought, called a masterful game and kind of made USC back off. So we'll see what if Colorado can kind of do the same thing. You need to sort of, like keep USC off balance right away. And they were able to do that enough early in the game, and USC's offense was sputtering, and it just kind of worked out. So you need USC's offense to just kind of get going. And as you start scoring, then you put pressure anyway. So if USC's up 14-0, you watch the Washington game, before Michael Penix took a snap, uh, Washington was up 14-0 on Cal. And so that puts immense pressure on an opposing offense. So USC's offense, I mean, you know, USC's offense can put pressure on Shador Sanders and that offense and give the defense, you know, a little bit of a break there and help out. So it, it'll all be kind of fun to watch and see what's going on there and, you know, who steps up their game and who plays well. They're, they're, the players are there for this USC defense. They just have to go out and, and make plays. I think they're capable of doing it, but you got to see it happen on Saturday. Yeah, and I hinted about it by saying, you know, personnel isn't the problem this year, but if USC can't figure it out, then, I, you know, maybe then you can start pointing fingers by the end of the season for why the defense hadn't worked out. Because last season, during the offseason as well, we talked about, well, is it personnel or is it coaching? And, you know, we, we weren't really sure about the answer to that question, but it's clear that, like, on the defensive line, and if Lincoln Riley believes they've got five good linebackers in the room, that they don't believe personnel's the issue this year. So we'll see if they're able to make some of those adjustments. Before we get to live callers and comments, and if you guys still want to put your comments in the chat that we can uh, reply to at the end with any questions you might have, or if you want to call in, you can feel free to do so at 5124-TUNNEL. But before we get to any of that, I want to ask you guys about two more potential keys to this game. USC's playing at 9 a.m. Los Angeles time, which is 10 a.m. Mountain Time in Colorado on Big Noon Kickoff. They're also playing at Altitude for the first time this season. Do you feel like either of those two things will be big factors at all? I mean, Altitude always can be have an impact, you know, and uh, that's one of those things. But I think the 9 a.m., the players we talked to this week seemed like they were fine with it. It's one of those deals where 
if you have a late game, you know, you're waking up, you're doing, there's a lot of stuff you got to do during the day that you're just waiting around and getting it over with. There's something to be said for that. And I think it seemed like that's the kind of common sentiment. They did practice during the fall, some 6 a.m. practices. They're kind of used to that a little bit. To go from like a 7.30 p.m. game, 9 a.m. and then 7.30 p.m. again, it's kind of like a short week uh, this week and, you know, after their, their bye week. And they might even, it's almost like you get an extra day of rest going into this uh, the Arizona game next week too. So I don't think it's going to have too much of an impact. You know, the, the, uh, the, the, for altitude and, and play, you know, if you've ever done a sport when you've gone to Denver, um, it's definitely, it can have an impact there. So I don't think it'll have a huge impact, but you know, you might see some, a little bit more rotation. Maybe guys get winded a little bit more. Um, you maybe see more of those players that you wanted to see that people were kind of uh, asking, Hey, where's that guy? Where's that guy? So it might be a little more even distribution of reps a little bit too. Are you saying Rajon Davis will play more because of the altitude? Uh, say maybe more Keon bars, maybe more, more Rajon Davis. You know, we'll see. We'll see more of those guys. I agree with you, Ryan. I don't think the early start time matters that much. These guys are college kids. They'll be ready to go. I think the culture is really good on this USC team. No one is going to be fooling around. Everyone has their head on straight. I, I don't think that's a factor. The altitude, though, I agree. That is sort of the elephant in the room. Sometimes it doesn't matter at all. Other times, a guy, for whatever reason, reacts maybe the way he or a way he didn't expect. So uh, that's certainly something to look at. And if someone does look tired or someone isn't playing as much, we'll try to get to the bottom of it after the game. Let's get to some live callers. We've got Ooh. two in the queue, and if you guys want to call in, make sure you do so. 5124-TUNNEL. I'm putting a disclaimer out there now. I'm cutting people off past 45 seconds. <laughs> Please get your thoughts out quickly. Ask your questions straight up and as succinct a way as possible. We don't want to cut anyone off, but we've got a show to do, so make sure you're getting your thoughts out quick. Otherwise, if you hear yeah. the line disconnect, it's because we're going to start answering your question then. But we'll start with uh, Dave from Iowa, who's been in the queue for a bit. Hi, Dave. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hi, guys. Dave from Iowa. I got a hot take here. I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. With USC's performance against ASU, didn't ASU with the idea of, you know, you know, j j just, you know, going balls to the wall and just opening up the playbook, didn't that, didn't that just show the rest of the Pac-12, hey, if, if, we're, if, if we have more talent than ASU, we can just do this and that'll shake up the entire game and shake up Alex Trench because clearly he doesn't take timeouts on defense. So what are your thoughts on that? Thanks, uh, Dave. So I think it's one of those things where if you're playing like some online video game or something and you got like a power up, like you can't just do power ups all the time. <laughs> like you, you'd have to, you know, this was one of those situations where the week before they had to play all the quarterbacks, everyone was hurt. Kenny Dillingham wasn't calling the plays. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to take over play calling duties. Oh, we have the same quarterback warm, you know, from Sunday all the way to Saturday. Drew Pine's going to be the guy. We can do all the things with him. We have uh, Cam Scadabo. We're going to have him do these certain things. It's just one of those things where they could throw everything at USC. They're playing at Cal. They're going to have no, you know, they got Trenton Bourget starting. They're not going to be able to do the same thing that they did against USC. It's sort of like you get this power up and you can use it and you can't use it again for a while. It would be my opinion on that. So it's tough to do that. Like everyone that plays USC just can't throw the kitchen sink at it. It's just the situation has to work out exactly right. And I think it just did for ASU in this one. I'm a little unclear on the take in the question. What I, I think he's saying like, well, if the if the trick plays for Arizona State were so successful, couldn't better teams just run trick plays for the entire game against USC <laughs> to win? Not the entire game, but I do think you show that you're susceptible to those. Yeah. And after the game this week, Jack asked Kalen Bullock not exactly about if 
they were prepared for the trick plays, but he said that they weren't. <laughs> he didn't yeah. really understand Jack's question. And Alex Grinch said it was some stuff I hadn't seen before, and you know, it, we didn't expect it, but we still have to be ready for it. I, I, I think you showed in this game that, yeah, you're not going to have trick plays against USC on every down, obviously, <laughs> but certainly there are some looks that, if it's a little exotic, it might throw off this defense. Yeah, there's risks involved in doing all that stuff. I mean, they to, to see what ASU did twice on punts, like both worked to perfection. The first time, you don't have a punter back. You have Scadabo back, where it's still like similar to what you would have like a quarterback quick punt. USC doesn't have a punt returner back. It's a good punt, and you hurt USC field position-wise. The next time you do it, now you get the first down on it, you know, and USC throws a, a punt returner back there. That worked to perfection. You know, there's there's only so many things you can do um, to try to do something unique, and it's tough. You can't do that every week. If everyone on the schedule was like, the only team we want to beat is USC, you know, then th- th- I think you could probably have a really good game plan for one game and not care about the rest. Um, I'm not saying that's what ASU did, but there's, you know, to have your head coach now take over play calling duties and all that, just a lot of stuff kind of came together. So uh, I get it. The d- defense wasn't great. There was some stuff that happened that wasn't good. Uh, but you can understand, like, sometimes there's different circumstances to every game. And, you, you know, some of the nuances doesn't mean that's, you know, always you – know, it could be that way for the rest of the year. Hard to say. But I would say, you know, just a little bit of caution there going forward that it's not like, oh, this is the worst defense ever. They suck because they gave up a bunch of points to ASU who got shut out the week before by Fresno State. Well, one frustrating thing, too, Scadaboo, forget the punts, he throws the pass to Drew Pine – and that took advantage of USC being too aggressive. And then he almost completes that touchdown pass. If he puts a little bit more touch on it, that's a score instead of a field goal for ASU. So you fell for that twice. A little bit of a different lineup, of course, but you fell for the running back getting the ball. You think it's a run, and he throws it twice. You didn't adjust. I'm sure better defenses will say, okay, trick plays, these guys didn't think that once they saw one trick play, they thought it was it. We might be able to beat them a couple times with something like that. Either way, it wasn't a good look getting beaten that no, many times. True. And people in the chat will say, oh, it's trick plays. You can't prepare for them. I just think if the operation is cleaner, it looks a lot different. Well, yeah, Alex Grinch's answer was like, well, sometimes like they're trick plays for a reason. You can't always be prepared for them. Hats off for them coming up with things that we wouldn't have thought of. But he said, you're one constant. If you don't know what to do, if you, you know, you're not prepared for a trick play, you stay in the rules of your defense. And that's what he said. He's stressing to the guys. And I wanted a chance to ask him a follow-up question. That's like, well, what happens if those trick plays are designed to take advantage of the rules that the other team knows you have? Like, <laughs> I mean, they're early on in the game, on the first touchdown for Arizona State, they they run the draw play on third and seven because they saw that Alex Grinch was going to blitz. They know he likes to blitz in those kind of situations. That's what sprung Scadaboo to score. Some of those passes from Scadaboo back to Drew Pine is because USC is trying so hard to swarm yeah. everyone to the football. If everyone's swarming to the football, no one's guarding the quarterback on the route. So, like, they are following their rules, but they're being taken advantage of so that's kind of like it, it is a chess match because while you can stay in your rules if the other team knows what to expect because they they're able to figure out on film well here's what the corners rules are here's you know it you can't always just revert back to what you're supposed to do because a lot of times the other team and good teams are able to figure out your rules and then it's kind of you have to go back and forth so i don't think that answer really sums everything up and i wanted to get a chance to ask him but that was the last question of the press conference and you know i'm not sure what he would have said but at some point, trick plays are designed to take advantage of the rules that the other team knows you have. Yeah. So if you're staying in your rules, then sometimes you're playing into what they're trying to do. So I don't know. Let's go to another caller. Okay, we can talk about good. trick plays for a while, but uh, we already have. So we'll go to one. We'll do two more callers in the queue now. Hi, caller. You're on Tunnel Vision. 
Hey, fellas, this is Curtis from Moreno Valley. How you doing? Hey, Curtis. Hey, Curtis. All right. I want to talk about offensive goal line situations, and we can pay attention on Saturday. I will be shocked if we hand the ball off to any of our great running backs when we're on the goal line, which is the wisest thing to do. Ask Pete Carroll about his Super Bowl where he didn't hand off the ball on the goal line and tried to pass. Well, is the culprit here is touchdowns accounted for. Caleb Williams is going to carry the ball when we're on the goal line or he's going to pass. So it's getting predictable. I can see it. They're, it looks like they're padding the Heisman stats. Talk to you later. Thanks, Curtis. It, this is a common um, – this does come up a bunch, you know. And I'm not sure I, – I, the sense I get isn't that they're trying to pad – Stats. No, it's um, the new wave of how to play football. Look at Jalen Hurts. Yeah, they're do. I mean, they're doing that. We're not seeing the the kind of full on bush push thing that's happening, but they keep. I mean, Philly does that really well. Um, but you, I mean, USC was like having them throw passes when they got down near the goal line and stuff. Um, I think it's just kind of they're running their stuff. They're running their offense. They don't go under center all that much. You know, maybe you'll see more of that. But I think if you really wanted to pad stats, like. You know, he probably would have started the third quarter against Stanford. You know, get a, oh, get another touchdown pass or two instead of letting Miller Moss play the entire half. So, I, I'm not seeing like this is the, you know, when they, when he's out there, I don't think they're like, oh, we need to get Caleb Williams a touchdown. It's my sense of it. You know, maybe they are, but that's just not the sense I'm getting. But if they really wanted to pad stats, I think they could have done more, kept those starters in longer in some of those blowout wins the first three games. I I, I think you're just. You're letting your Heisman Trophy winner go eat. You're, you're you're trusting the best player in college football to make the plays. And yeah. to be honest, it's it's hard to question a defense that on an off or an offense rather that on an off day scores 42 points and on a good day can put up 60 on anyone. Um, so. Look, I understand, you know, fans that think that USC should run the ball more. I thought they should have run the ball more against Arizona State, but I also think they realize we don't want to get Marshawn Lloyd hurt in this game. And I know Lincoln Riley said they thought they rode Marshawn Lloyd pretty hard. My question would have been, why not put Austin Jones in and continue to run the ball? He was three carries for 36 yards. They they do have more than one running back. Um, so I, I think they could run the ball more, but I also think that they also use that that late part of the game and uh, as as not a you know, scrimmage, but you're trying to figure out how to work your offense you know you've got tough road games down the stretch they were trying to iron out some of the kinks because you can improve from the first snap to the last snap in a 60-minute football game and I think that's what they were trying to do but look I understand you want to see them run the ball more because they've been so good but this is also a team that runs the ball well when they want to run it they pass the ball well when they want to pass it um you what you want to avoid is having to do one or the other when you don't when you have no choice, you don't want to be passing the ball because all you can do is pass the ball, you're down or anything like that. Lincoln Riley's offense, I know people think it's very pass heavy, but USC's averaging the second most yards per carry in the nation of any rushing attack. Uh, you can look at that and say, well, they should just run the ball more then because they're running it so well. But also, if you're running the ball when you want to, it's going to be more effective than when the other team's like, well, they're just going to continue to run it. But I do understand the fans that want to see USC run the ball until the other team proves they can stop it. And in all fairness, I think they will do that more this weekend against Colorado because Colorado's proven they can. Yeah. Looking back on the play or the plays that, that Curtis is referencing, so against Arizona State on USC's first touchdown drive, Marshawn Lloyd on first and goal from the four gets three, and then USC 
on second and goal from the one, tries a pass, doesn't work. Third and goal from the one, Caleb was going to pass, but then he runs in. That was that one where he dove for the pylon. So I, I do kind of get what he's saying. They, I think to me, I, like I, I disagree with you passes. on that on that third down one because I saw the replay. I think it was supposed to be a, a run Deloitte, and Caleb pulled it out as a read option. So I think it was run either way, and I kind of think it was supposed to go to Lloyd, and it would have been a loss. So. You think that would have been a loss? I, uh, I think it would have been a. But Lloyd got the carry on the first, you know, for, yeah. from the from the four, so it wasn't like okay. I mean, they had, they could have scored there easily, you know. So. I'm sure there are a number of different like he could have passed it if he mm -hmm. wanted to. I didn't love the Travis Kelsey Lake McCree little shovel pass on their next touchdown drive. But then that gets him to the one, and Caleb sneaks it in. Yeah. I think overall, like you can be nitpicky with plays, no, no matter what. It, 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 I, I get it. I would like to see him run it with Marshawn Lloyd, though, more in, in those instances. But if Caleb, from a goal to go position from the one yard line, is sneaking it in, I have no problem with that. Like I said, that's yeah. kind of the future of the way it's going. The passing can it get a little too cute down there. Sure, Lincoln Riley, you just got to trust him sometimes. Yeah, he's. He like Jack said, you're putting the ball in the hands of the best player in the sport. So yeah, you're it. You know, it's hard. To, like you're not gonna get fired for like letting Caleb Williams do something. And like I a, and I don't think there's any stat padding going on. That no, of course I, is not the the thing. Yeah, I don't feel like that's the case. But I also do think USC realizes they they rode Travis Dye pretty hard in that middle stretch of the season, and he ended up getting hurt. I know it was a freak injury, but you want to save your best players for the best games. I think they've clearly identified Marshawn Lloyd as like, this guy is a dude. We want him down the stretch of the season, um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just trying to limit the load, at least in this early point. You know, I think he, what, he had 14 carries. Um, I think he can handle more, but also if you start giving him, you know, 20 plus carries this early on in the season, maybe you're not getting the best out of him from a Pac-12 championship game or a bowl game, anything like that. But we'll figure it out, I think, as we get to see more football. We've got two more callers in the queue that we'll go to. Hi, caller. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hey, thank, thank you guys for having me on. I'm a first-time caller. Uh, I want to say that, first of all. And congratulations to um, the team out there in Southern California. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the game Saturday. But the question is what I wanted to ask this right here. Um, you guys are talking a lot about your, your guys' offense that you guys um, have, but um, not that much about the defense. Are you, are you guys really just kind of like a little bit concerned about what they have to do against um, Colorado, or um, it's just you just don't want to talk about that much? That's that's. that's my Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about the defense, certainly some. I think where Colorado can hurt USC the most is going to be, you're not expecting Colorado to get a bunch of stops against Caleb Williams and all the, the receivers and run the ball, but where can Colorado hurt USC? I think that's scoring. You know, we've seen Shador Sanders, like, you know, have some amazing games, make amazing plays, you know, super high completion percentage. He gets sacked a lot. USC is good at sacking the quarterback, and you feel like that's sort of the matchup you got to watch. But if USC gets hurt, it's going to be you know Colorado's offense making you know making this USC defense make mistakes, making big plays. So yeah, I think that's where probably most people are watching this one. I, it's hard to imagine USC getting stopped by Colorado, which doesn't have a very good defense. You know they've been able to score on just about everybody. Um, but the you know on the defensive side, yeah, I think that's the big thing. But we th you know, think we've been talking about it. I mean, there's you know specific things you want to see. The inside linebackers uh, didn't play very well. You had um, you know Mason Cobb coming back. You know they were, we talked about this earlier, being rusty. Only one tackle, even though he played 
over 70 snaps in that game. Jack mentioned the, the short passing game, and you're going to need those linebackers to come up and make plays. The secondary missed a lot of tackles last week. They're going to have to make plays. So, yeah, I think, you know, outside of the pass rush, which you feel pretty strongly about, that back seven is going to need to play, you know, a better game and sort of keep Colorado's offense off the field more. But, you know, that, that's something we not avoid talking about. Yeah, and Jack, I just watched the play. You're right. That was a run the whole way. So, Shout out to Jack, uh, but to, to the to the caller, yeah. Uh, and for the for the USC offense, I mean, you know, just they're so talented. Like I feel like against ASU, they kind of beat themselves a little bit. And yeah. just if you go out there and do what you're supposed to do, you get the play in on time. It'll look good. I, I don't think that's why we're uh, not talking about the offense so much, because we just hold them to such a high standard. And I, I, I think, think he was saying that we don't talk about the defense at all. Like oh, we're avoiding it. talking about the defense, oh. which. I think I'd have a disagreement with. Oh, I, I misheard him. I thought, we, yeah, I, I mean, we've talked more about the defense for sure. We haven't talked much about the offense at all. More fans care about it because they're upset that they don't like the way the defense is going. So it, it ends up being a topic a lot. So if we, if it sounded like we avoided it, apologies, but that's something that we've, we have to talk about because that's where most of the questions come from. Yeah, I often come away from the shows and I'm driving home like, well, we didn't really talk about the offense at all. I was like, did we say Caleb Williams' name once on the show? <laughs> like, there's some weeks where we come away with that. So, uh, you know, sometimes I think we talk about the defense for the entire show. So uh, I think I would, uh, you know, disagree that we try and avoid talking about the defense. But there's certainly some concerns. And um, I, I don't think that you can bury the hatchet and say, well, USC's defense isn't good this year. Got to see. Um, I think they're better than last year, but they also have a lot of things to work on, especially the tackling. One more caller that we'll get to right now, and then we can get to the rest of the questions. Hi, caller. You're on Tunnel Vision. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, it's Dr. K, Southern California, longtime caller. Quick question, can you kind of give a breakdown a little bit of the timeline? So the team, what, supposedly gets into Boulder tonight, all day tomorrow, what's their activity, practicing, and then obviously a very early game. How does that affect the freshmen, especially on the road? Thanks, Thank Dr. You. K. I appreciate it. Um, I think for game day, what they said was there's like a meeting and then you just kind of go, right? So that instead of like these meals or whatever, like there, I mean, there's all these other things that would be going on a regular game day. That kind of changes. Um, they usually do some sort of walkthrough the day before. Um, either at the stadium or whatever. And, you know, we used to be able to go to some of those things. We don't anymore, so we don't really get uh, as much access to that kind of stuff. Um, do you guys know anything else of what their itinerary is and stuff? Well, I don't. Caleb said that the early game doesn't affect him much other than going to bed early and waking up early. He 
talks about working out before the game a lot, which I would be interested to know exactly what that entails, because I imagine he's not like squatting 300 pounds and right. bench pressing 225 pounds before the game, but he says before every game, he likes to work out, so he's just going to do that a little bit earlier. I'm not exactly sure much else on the details. It sounds like to what you said, Ryan, Lincoln Riley, it affects the whole week, not maybe just the trip. Like they do everything a little bit earlier to be able to have some time before a game. And um, I, I think that'll be the same. But I think overall, stuff just gets pushed up. Yeah. I don't know the itinerary, but I don't think they're going today. You'll see whenever they get there, because obviously, like on Twitter and Instagram, they always post like, wheels down in boulder wheels down in Tempe, like wherever they end up going they take pictures coming off the plane so unless you've seen a post from them on social media maybe i've missed it um i don't think they're there yet so my guess is they're probably having some kind of walkthrough at howard jones tomorrow morning i would assume they'll do it early just so they can kind of be fully ready and then i, I my guess is they're gonna fly right after that to get into boulder tomorrow go to sleep early they mentioned that like Yes, you, you do have to get up early, but if you go to sleep early the next night, you'll be all right. And I think they've been going to sleep earlier this week, getting up a little earlier. Um, and then Lincoln Riley said on Trojans Live, with all these 7.30 games, you're, you get there and it's like, okay, well, we're going to do a team meeting and then we're going to do a team meal and then we're going to do individual meetings and then we're going to do a walkthrough and then we'll do another meal, another meeting. And then, oh, well, now we finally get to go on the field and play football. And he said, it's going to be nice to have this early game. You're going to wake up, you're going to eat, you're going to meet for a little bit, and then you're just going to go play. And yeah. I think he seems excited for that. Uh, I bet the team is pretty excited because yes, the 730 games go late, but also it's like you're waiting a long time to play. You don't want to, not that you don't want to give the guys free time, but everyone's kind of zoned in they know the games later that night so they're not going to do anything crazy and you're just waiting around for a while and so I, I think they're actually probably going to be accepting and excited about the fact that they can play the game go home watch other college football games just kind of get up there's no waiting around there's no anticipation you just get to wake up and go play football yeah. that's kind of the, the vibe that I got um, from how they are looking at this game early in the morning so my guess is they're not there yet uh and i i'm pretty sure they're gonna go tomorrow and not today yeah i haven't heard that either but it, it would be nice to go a little early just because of the altitude and stuff but you're probably you know you got one night and uh just kind of go with that so but yeah that i haven't heard specifically but i guess we can you know send a few texts out and see see if they're leaving tonight but we would see on social media if they were before we get to questions, we've got a, a super chat coming in from Only Natties at USC Part 2. Oh. $10. Thank you so much for wow. the donation. It says, okay, USC beats the Buffs, but what will the narrative be if Grinch doesn't produce a top 50 defense after Saturday after playing the cup cart, cupcake part of the schedule? There has to be talks of Grinch's tenure. So I guess it's if USC, even if they win and he's not producing a great defense, what will the narrative be? Do you, I guess, kind okay. of saying, like, do you think there's any going to be any talks about his job? Okay, so I would say this. So USC wins the game, and they're 5-0. and Cover the spread, not whatever. Um, you know, two road games in a row. Lincoln Riley's not going uh, to pull up the stats and go, eh, this is not a top 50 defense, so I'm going to make a change. Like, that's not happening. Uh, I know that, you know, it's going to matter when they play, you know, if they lose, uh, if they lose badly if they give up a whole bunch of points to teams if they can't get stops like the end of last year like that's where this is going to matter that's the kind of decisions lincoln riley was going to make at the end of the season not now but at the end of the season if oregon they can't stop oregon at all if, if utah comes in and they can't stop utah if washington comes in and michael Penix, you know outduels 
Caleb Williams, and the defense just can't pe get people off the field, then you're going to see Lincoln Riley make a change at the end of the season. But that's where it was going to be. They're not going to look and say, oh, this 5-0 team, eh, the defense, it's an it's a easy part of the schedule, and the defense isn't top 50. We're going to fire them. Like, that's not happening. Yeah, I think if they win, the people on the peristyle, no matter what happens, won't be happy. But in terms of real conversations, it, it would take a loss to like a Colorado, an Arizona, or a Cal for a change to happen. And the defense look awful in those games for a change to happen at the end of the year, maybe even sooner. I, I don't anticipate anything like that happening. Another way at the end of the season is if you lose like four games, maybe you, you go over in those big ones at the end of the year, then maybe that could lead to something. But I think as far as this game is concerned, the only way anything at all is entertained about Grinch, whether it's now or at the end of the year, something happening with him is if they lose. Yeah. Okay. yeah coordinators don't tend to get fired or, during the season. Head coaches don't even get fired this early in the season. Like it was a... It was a weird thing to see Clay Helton get fired that early in the season after the loss to Stanford, and that was coming off of a bad loss. So if USC wins, they're not going to fire the defensive coordinator. And some student, you know, was asking me the first couple weeks of the season after they gave up the the points to San Jose State, they're like, "Well, if Nevada scores this many points, I think they should fire Grinch." And my question is, and, and I'm not sure if they really had a full answer. It's like, okay, so who's taking over? Because you can't just fire a defensive coordinator and then hire one off the street. You're promoting someone from inside to call defensive plays and be the defensive coordinator so like I don't know who that would be maybe it's Dante Williams because he has interim head coach experience maybe it's someone like Sean Nua because he's been a very impressive position coach but I'm not sure and you know I'd have to do more digging on this like does anyone of USC's position coaches have defensive play calling experience have any of them been defensive coordinators at a similar level before like that is something that you have to decide on because you can't just fire Alex Grinch and then say like well our defense is fixed now because you've got all the same players, you've got all the same position coaches, and one of them has to step up too and take over that defensive play caller, defensive coordinator role, which now if you're trying to figure that out midseason, like, is that going to make the defense actually better? Yeah. Greg, Greg Brown, baby. Yeah, so the analyst Greg Brown would be sort of like the Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> equivalent. We're, getting, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. Right. So well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, well, okay, so you if you're firing Alex Grinch midseason, someone has to make that decision. So yeah. I would caution any fans that are saying, let's fire Alex Grinch during the season. If they can't think of an answer to that question, then it's probably not a good idea to fire yeah. Alex I, Grinch. My recommendation would be, like, chill on the, like, how can Grinch get fired right now thing. Just wait. It'll happen if the bad things happen with the good teams on the schedule coming up. And if not, then you can be, like, upset that USC didn't fire him, but they won a bunch of games. So, you know, that's fine. Like, I'm not sure. But I would wait until that kind of stuff happens, not... Are they top 50 or not? We appreciate the super chat, but like Lincoln Riley's not going to go up there 52. We're going to fire Gritch. People on the peristyle love to point out that Riley fired Mike Stoops as his defensive coordinator midway through the season. So there is precedent, and that'll make people happy to hear. But uh, yeah, I, I feel kind of slimy even talking about it right now. It's, it's way too premature. Yeah. Well, yeah, only Natty says thanks for the insight. Of course, thank you for the super chat. Let's get to some of these questions before giving our predictions for the game. Guy on Facebook says, who do you guys think the starting linebackers will be on Saturday? I think no change. Cobb, yeah. Curtis. Cobb, yep. I would I would agree. Um, I think we might see a little bit more rotation, though, just because they didn't last week. Got a lot of questions about it, so just easier to do it. And then also the altitude. Yeah, I would agree. I'm going to go Cobb and Curtis. And people have asked questions about Alex Cobb. This is a guy that people were excited about in the offseason. I think you give him, he's played two games this season. Um, you know he's been playing at a better level in, in 
past parts of his career. I think USC realizes they're going to need him to play a bigger role down the stretch during those harder games. And one kind of small thing that doesn't get talked about a lot that Lincoln Riley mentioned in his presser this week was saying the defense operates very well under Al- or under Mason Cobb. Sorry, I was saying Alex Cobb. Mason Cobb. <laughs> I'm, a Giants, I'm a Giants fan. Yeah, sorry, sorry, there you go. Trying to get him uh, fired too. Well, yeah. So Mason Cobb. <laughs> He is probably the best communicator. He has run defenses, uh, you know, at Oklahoma State. Lincoln was saying that the defense operates well with Mason Cobb in there. Communication is a big part of the middle linebacker job, and I think it's one of the more underrated parts that we don't talk about. You can look at how linebackers playing, but if you've got two young guys in there that don't have a ton of experience leading defenses, maybe the operation gets messed up. Maybe that is, you know, where you can have some of those busts in coverage because people don't know what they're doing like those are the underrated things that uh, I think you can look and just say well why don't we just put the two best performing linebackers on the field at the same time sometimes you can't think of it that way because you got to figure out you know who's the communicator in that defense so I would say give that a little bit of time as well but we've got some more questions Red Rider Media on YouTube says does Colorado have the coaching staff to match up with USC they got a great coaching staff Uh, Deion Sanders has done a lot of great things and assembling a coaching staff is one of them um, yeah, like they, I mean, this is a well-coached team. Like you've seen them play, you saw them play the team that was in the national championship last year and they out-coached them, you know, and it's, yeah, I would not say that's a negative for Dion. Sorry, I'm laughing. When I was in school at Syracuse, the team was terrible, but last week, Brian Ward was the defensive coordinator when I was at Syracuse. He's at Arizona State last week. Now Sean Lewis is at Colorado. He was at Syracuse when I was there. Nice. He did leave earlier to go be a head coach at Kent State, but they weren't exactly great when they were in school, when I was in school at Syracuse, excuse me, but those are good reputational coaches and Sean Lewis he's a really good offensive mind there's a world where after this year he makes a jump to to be a power five head coach because Colorado's offense looks so good so I I think they do have the the coaching staff to make USC look bad I mean last week Arizona State especially on offense made the USC defense not look good on some occasions and I think Colorado their offensive staff could certainly do that yeah Yeah, Sean Lewis good head coach at Kent State he's run a good offense so far at Colorado my main question when Deion Sanders was hired at Colorado was like he's not going to be calling plays on either side so do you trust that this team is going to have the schemes and the game plans to be fully prepared I had no question about whether Dion would be able to recruit well whether he'd be able to motivate well but at some time when it came down to X's and O's I was like are they going to have the people at those play calling positions to do that not sure about defense quite yet offense for sure I think Sean Lewis has done a good job so I wouldn't say they exactly match up with USC because you've got Lincoln Riley calling the plays on offense Sean Lewis like no one in college football can live up to that but they definitely have a a, a better coaching staff than I was maybe expecting them to come up with so real, uh, real quick John had a comment on there he says TCU lost over 60% of last year's team well Colorado lost 100% of last year's team <laughs> well, they, and, they wanted to lose 100% yeah, and of that they, this was a coaching staff Sonny Dex is a you know obviously a great coach they looked like they weren't ready to start the season. And Deion Sanders, with a completely new team, looked ready. So that it's not, yeah, TCU lost a bunch of dudes, but there was a better coach team in that game, and it wasn't the team that made it to the national championship the year before. That's just, I'm not saying that Deion's staff is better than Sonny Dyke's staff or whatever, but they outplayed them that night. They outcoached them that day. So you, you have to give them credit for being able to put a staff together like they did, put a roster together like they did, and you know, beat an out, a team that is really well coached that overachieved all last year and, to, and, and beat them on the road. So pretty impressive. Yeah, TCU, the, their main crutch was that they were uh, not really willing to change their game plan. They, they 
didn't want to run the ball very early on. Um, they kept their corners backed off like 10 yards when all Shadur Sanders was doing was throwing it at the sticks or just slightly beyond the sticks. Eventually in the second half, they started to run the ball and they ran for like 200 yards in the second half or something <laughs> like that. But they, they just, they weren't adjusting. I don't think USC makes those same mistakes. Oregon and uh, Colorado State clearly didn't make those same mistakes except for Colorado State at the last second. So I don't think USC makes those same mistakes, but Colorado does have a, a good coaching staff. Debo Fang on YouTube says, what are your thoughts on the offensive line thus far? Is it better than last year's? I think it's a really good question. Um, I think it will be as the year yeah, goes on. It's similar, but they've had some more issues, I think, early on. And there's been certain games where they had, you know, multiple games where they've had a bunch of penalties. Um, I think, was it San Jose State? that there, there was one, I forget, maybe it was Nevada. There was one that the secondary had a lot of penalties, and there was one the offensive line did. And then this last game against Arizona State, four false starts, a delay a game. So, I mean, the, you know, the weird snaps, like the, a lot of the pregame stuff you can kind of put on the offensive line, but in the, the offense in general. So they've had some struggle games, but I feel like I think it's going to be about the same as, as last year. I'd say similar. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a concern. I, you know, that was one of those areas on the offense where like, well, you're, you're changing guys. Who knows? I think like it's a good offensive line for sure. They were PFF's offensive line of the week against Stanford. They only allowed one pressure in that entire game, and I, I think it was Micah Benuelos like in the fourth quarter. So none of the starters allowed a single pressure. Um, I think procedurally, last year's unit was better just because I think they had more time to gel and everything like that. But talent-wise and across all five positions, by the, when you're getting into that bigger stretch. I think this is a offensive line that can perform better than than the one last year did at any point in the season. I agree. I think you look at Justin Dietrich at center. He's had a couple of tough games, but I don't think anyone's like, oh, that's a real concern. He has the buy-in from everyone. He's going to be really good. Jonah Monheim at left tackle, that's an upgrade. Emmanuel Pregnon on the inside, he's an NFL prospect in the future. He, he has all the measurables. Jared Kingston has a dream of going to the NFL after this year. Michael Tarquin is being pushed by Mason Murphy. He, he's been solid. So I think some of the procedural stuff has to do with maybe Lincoln Riley getting the play in a little bit late on a few of those calls against Arizona State. And just these guys have not had a lot of time together. Pregnon was a transfer after spring ball. So it's new. I expect in a couple of weeks as USC, they don't have a buy or anything. It's just going to be pedal to the floor. The group is going to look a lot better. Marcus Nelson on YouTube says, does USC have to run the ball well so that the defense won't be winded because of the elevation in Boulder? Uh, I mean, a lot of that comes up a lot. Like, if USC scores in one play, they score in one play, you know, and then they might. They might run the ball and score in one play. So, I, yeah, I don't think that's a, a huge concern. But, I mean, that, it's just one of those things where, like, Lincoln Riley's talked about, like, yeah, it'd be nice sometimes, but you're not going to, like, throttle your offense and, you know, hold them back because they're doing that. So, I don't, I don't think they're going to change the game plan so the defense can get more rest. That just never seemed to be his M.O. I agree. I do think they'll run the ball more, though, and if that leads to more time of possession, then so be it. Maybe yeah. if Colorado's so bad that it doesn't because you'll just score really quickly, that could happen. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think they'll go out of their way to say, we got to possess the ball more because we don't want our defense to be too tired. I, I don't really know if anyone thinks that way. I, I think they'll run it more, but uh, you know, t the time of possession stuff, we'll see. Yeah, you don't turn down scores or points, no matter how quickly they, they'll come during the passing game. Andrew on YouTube says, was Arizona State a look-pass game to Colorado, and will we see Keon Bars and Bear Alexander together to get after the quarterback? I always found that interesting, the fact that, you know, Colorado, you know, they're much better than last year, but still don't think they're great. Um, 
but you would look ahead to that. But that's a testament to what, you know, Deion Sanders has done, that this is a game that you could potentially look ahead to. Like, you never thought about that. Uh, I, I don't know if that's much of it, but there's certainly a lot more hype around USC going to Colorado with big new kickoff and all that. So if you're a 20-year-old kid, like, are you focusing more on this Colorado game? Like, potentially. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think there could be a little bit of something in there. I don't think it's like a team-wide thing, but there might be with individual players or something. I don't think it was a look-pass game. I think the bye week made them a little bit more sluggish than yeah. they were anticipating. All of a sudden, it's a sellout at ASU. It's third and 20. It's loud as heck in there. And it's like, okay, crap, we got to start playing a little better. I, I, I think uh, that had more to do with it. And Josh Henson talked about it this week, too. He said, I don't think the bye helped us necessarily in some ways. So I look at that. I don't think anyone is really looking at, like, yeah, it's cool to play Colorado and Deion Sanders, but I, I agree. I don't think they're a look-ahead game right now. I, I could see that for a different opponent in the future, but yeah. I don't think that's with Colorado. Yeah, I don't think it was that USC didn't show up. I think it, it maybe it was that Arizona State showed up a little bit more than USC was expecting because, yeah. I mean, they, they, they play that Stanford game. You guys talked to Toss Washington right after. He said he could tell in the first quarter that Stanford didn't really care, didn't really want to be there, didn't want to, didn't care about getting blocked down the field. Then they've got a bye week, so it's like it's been two weeks since they've played a football team that like they felt like really wanted to go up against them. Arizona State was at rock bottom. I mean, just coming off that terrible game, like one of the worst in program history, eight turnovers, zero points at home against Fresno State. So you're wondering like, well, is Arizona State the team going to show up? Are the fans going to show up? They did. I mean, Kenny Dillingham took over the plays. They went for it all. The stadium was sold out. Like maybe USC got more than they bargained for with Arizona State, but I don't think it's because USC didn't show up because they were looking ahead to Colorado. But I said it on uh, instant analysis this week, a good week for USC to have one of those kind of uglier games because if they had blown out Arizona State and they had seen Colorado get blown out by Oregon, then maybe you could raise the questions of like, well, is USC going to you know, think they're higher than this matchup? Uh, I think it was a, a good humbling performance. They still get a 14-point win, but they're like, okay, we've learned from this. We can't do the same thing this week, anything like that. But yep. Ninja Dog on YouTube asks, why not use the tight end more? Lake McCree should get more passes his way. It's tough when you got a receiver room as talented as USC does. And they've tried to get him involved. He had a touchdown earlier in the year, and he could have had another one against Arizona State on that little shovel play. I think they use him the perfect amount. Not too much. Still get him looks every now and then. Your receivers are the bread and butter. You don't have to use McCree too much. I would like to see him downfield a little more. It seems like there's like these short passes, like something down the seat, something, you know, it just doesn't seem like you get him that many touches that way, but it's hard to nitpick. Like, well, why don't you want to do this more? It's like, well, is the offense not working? No, it's working. So like, it's hard to be critical <laughs> what the, the offense is doing pretty well, but I would like to see like, you know, I think you could sneak them out and you know, block. It's one of those things that tight ends could do. Like they, they're blocking and like, oh, well, th this guy doesn't need to be accounted for. And then he just slips down the seam and just kind of pop it over. And just haven't seen a lot of that, you know? And I think that, you know, tight ends are often used, you know, they don't get a ton of separation when you're comparing them to a guy like Zachariah Branch or, or Ataj Washington, Brendan Rice. Like, they're not going to get as much separation from a DB or linebacker. And Lincoln Riley's offense doesn't really throw those 50-50 balls or the fades or those kind of in-traffic passes that a lot of the other offenses have to rely on. So if your choice is between Taj Washington, who's like five yards open, or Lake McCree, who's one to two yards open, Caleb's going to pick the open guy. And I, I think they've done a good job making sure that McCree stays involved by getting him easy completions, getting the ball in his hands, using him in, as a decoy, you know, off play action, stuff like that. But I, I don't think it's like 
you've got so many talented wide receivers that you don't have to just throw the ball in traffic to a tight end over the middle. So I, I think they use him a good amount. But again, picking uh, pulling hairs over an offense that scores 42 on a bad day. So uh, I, I think it's interesting, but could definitely see them using him more. Same with the run game. We've got two questions from So California. One of them's serious, one of them's not. Uh, he first asks, the, the coaching staff preaches the best five DBs on the field. Then he says, Bullock, Jalen Smith, Christian Roland Wallace, Sierra Wright, Damani Jackson. Do you agree or disagree with that best five? Was that three corners and, and Jalen Smith? It was three corners. It was the three corners, Jalen Smith, and Kalen Bullock. Which I would agree, those are the best five DBs, but that's not really how the defense works. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Uh, you would need to either have Jalen Smith or Christian Roland Wallace or get rid of one of Christian Roland Wallace, Damani Jackson, or Sierra Wright. Talent-wise, yeah, maybe those are the best, but... It, that's not where you need to look. You need to look at the Max Williams, Bryson Shaw position. Zion Branch, is he a guy who could come in and play some safety? Lincoln Riley said today he's not quite ready to be on the two deep. He's pushing in the right direction. And he needs to be more consistent. But I think the weak link in that best of five is that second safety alongside Bullock. And it doesn't really look like anyone from the safeties is pushing them. So right now, your best five, according to the coaching staff, includes either Shaw or Williams. And a lot of people won't want to hear that. But I think that's the truth. Well, it kind of has to. Like you, you can't. Yeah. You can't just say, "Well, well, Christian Roland Wallace is he's a really good corner, so he should be that fifth DB because he's good at corner. Who knows how good he'd be at safety? Like the, you can't just. It, I think it's like people look at like Madden. You can just, oh, well, we'll move my good corner to safety. Like that's not really how it works in real defense. You need to have like two of those best five DBs have to be safeties. So uh, you know that's where you've got to choose a Max Williams or a Bryson Shaw. Do I think that you know? I think those might be the most five talented DBs that he laid out, but you can't just have all five of them on the field and expect the defense to fully work. But uh, he also asked another question. What's the best Trader Joe's breakfast for a 9 a.m. game? Ooh, um, I haven't done as much breakfast stuff. Uh, do you go like get some of the, I think they have like frozen breakfast burritos, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe try that. Do you- I, I was there the other day. They were giving samples of like pumpkin spice muffins, and I was thinking about them Ooh. all day. Those are amazing if you're you know into eating all those carbs i'd say go for the muffins but i know that might not be the healthiest i think they have uh like these cinnamon roll thingies too that i've got before Um, they they have the the biscuits in a can too that those cook up pretty quick those are really good if you just put them on a a sheet also the uh the frozen hash browns i mean i'm a hash brown person so oh but those are are good. good you just pop them in the oven they're like the the kind of patties like the mcdonald's ones those are good i'll get the um they have like this uh like peanut butter granola and mm. i'll get that get a banana and some of the yogurt i like their yogurt it's like a thicker yogurt yeah. and just mix the you know yogurt and the granola and cut up banana and slice it that's like a good breakfast for me but i don't know if that's like a tailgate breakfast we like just that. gave like five things though i was struggling at first to even yeah. come up with one i'm glad we got to like five uh, i want everyone in the chat right now to answer this question because connor yesterday said that and at Arizona State you know you got all the fans oh, rowdy here, here we go because they they had a couple <laughs> drinks in them and he's like a 9 a.m. game, that's not going to happen. I, I think he's discounting college football fans. So if you're in the chat right now, whether you're going to be at the game or not, let me know. Are you going to be drinking for a 10 a.m. football game, 9 a.m. in Los Angeles? Because I, I want to hear the answer to that question. Mimosas, mimosas baby. Let me, de- let me defend myself. First of all, Jack, you have it partially right. I did say that. I think if it's a night game, you're obviously drinking more. Uh, some people that might not apply, but for most people, I hope that they're not drinking as much for a day game as they would for a night game. Fair, we'll fair. see. I also think people will be getting tanked, a lot of people, but not everybody. I think that early kickoff will 
have some people saying, okay, you know, maybe I'll have a couple beers, but it is kind of early, whereas a night game, everyone's just going crazy. Uh, a lot of people will still be drinking. It's Colorado. It's going to be really loud. There's my case. I just wanted to Yeah. I would go mimosas, guys. Do the mimosas. I love me some brunch mimosas. And, you know, I got a saying, like, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. <laughs> so there you go. Well, you could just, you know, if you guys are going to be at the, the meetup, just roll it all the way through. You don't. Who has to go to bed? Uh, so if you're in the chat, I want to hear the answer to that question. While while you guys are doing that, let's talk about our picks for the game. USC favored by it was at 21 and a half points, so just yeah. over three touchdowns. Basically the same as Oregon, but Oregon did get uh, uh, Colorado at home. So uh, who wants to go first for their for their score prediction? And then we'll also add on an MVP. Uh, whoever goes first for score prediction has to go last for MVP. So I all think right. I got my first choice of MVP last week so i won't go first this week okay i'm confused but anyway uh like, so last week we i was all over oregon minus 21 that just did not seem like enough especially because it was at home they said i think it's more of a question you know 21 and a half on the road but i do i like, like i said earlier i like both teams to bounce back from where they were before um but usc ceiling is a lot higher the the matchups just are going to go usc's way i think they're going to be able to get after shador sanders force enough negative plays. So, yeah, they've scored some points. I'm thinking in my mind, like, you know, this could be a on the you know, 45 to 21 sort of game. That covers the spread. And that's like allowing Colorado to score three touchdowns. Um, you know, one less than ASU did. Maybe they score more. But I could see more upside that USC scores more than 45 points too. So um, I think 45-21 is kind of like where the sweet spot is right now. And I feel like USC is going to do a good job and uh, and be able to cover the spread. So that's sort of where I am with that. I have them just missing out on covering the spread. 49-28 is my prediction. I think Colorado will be able to score a little bit. And 28, it's a lot, but I think they can get there. USC, seven touchdowns, a lot of touchdowns as well. They've done it before. I think they can do it again in, in Boulder. That's a bad beat. Your your score, what is it? 20, Half a point. Yeah, Half 21. a point. If that's a, if that's a late touchdown, there's going to be a lot of betters that might be upset. I've got USC. I've been bouncing around on the score because Dennis Lynch had a good week, and I, I always hate like making <laughs> a score prediction that doesn't have any field goals in it, but I'm going to go USC 49, Colorado 20. So they do cover the spread. I'm kind of breaking my own rule. I always like to have at least one field goal in there, especially because USC didn't have the perfect red zone offense. But I think they bounced back a little this week. So I was kind of between 49 or 52 or maybe in that 45 range. But any of those, USC covers the spread. So you'll see in the staff predictions, I've got USC covering the minus 21 and a half. Um, but I think it's going to be around that 49-20 range. I could see USC scoring more. I could see Colorado scoring more. Um, I don't really see either team scoring less than that. Maybe Colorado gets held to maybe like 14 or 17, but USC scoring above 45 points against this Colorado defense, um, it could be more. But I've got USC covering. Who wants to go first for MVP? You go ahead, Connor. You can. Sure. Marshawn Lloyd said it all week. It's kind of an obvious one. Colorado can't stop the run. Lloyd averaged like 11 yards per carry or something crazy against Arizona State. It's all setting up really nicely for him. You go, Ryan. I went right. first last week. Okay. I will go with uh, Jamil Muhammad. Uh, just, he's just been a beast back there. I think you know one of the keys to this game could be, yeah, say USC scores 45, 52 points, something like that. Um, if, they, if they do cover the spread and you know they're going to be, because they get a lot of pressure on Shador Sanders, he's probably going to get you know two sacks, something like that in the game. Um, you know, we saw a huge game from... One of the Utah defensive linemen, he had 10 tackles, I forget his name, 10 tackles, 
three and a half sacks, five tackles for loss. I'm not saying that that's what Muhammad's going to do, but something like that would be pretty big. Uh, go in there and just, you know, force in some negative plays. Um, probably won't get as many tackles for loss that aren't sacks because you know they don't run the ball all that well. But I would say, yeah, Jamil Muhammad gets a bunch of like sacks in this game and they just kind of force, uh, force some big negative plays for Colorado. I'm going with uh, the, the homecoming kid, Colorado former player. You're going Brendan Rice, who had, you, you could maybe call him the MVP of that Arizona State game with his two touchdowns, including the late one that really sealed the deal. Um, but I'm going to go Brendan Rice. He was a Colorado transfer. He's been talking all week about how excited he is to get back to Folsom Field. He's had nothing but nice things to say about the program, and he's excited to see them doing well. But he was very excited after the game um, last week against Arizona State. He's like, I really came home. I really came and did this, you know, in his home state of Arizona. Now he's got a chance to go do it against his old school. Him and Caleb have a very a very good chemistry right now, especially on uh, those plays where Caleb's scrambling around. I thought about Solomon Bird. I think he's been the best player on USC's defense so far, but when I think the offense might score 50 points, it's hard to not go with someone on offense. So I'm going to go with Brendan Rice. And All also right. we will say Caleb Williams is always off the board here. You can't take Caleb Williams yeah. because he's the MVP every week. I think I had Brendan Rice last week, and he had a great game. I'll have to check the tape, though. I don't want to say that and be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I had him. Well, there you nice. go. That, that would basically get you a win if you if you had Brendan Rice last week. I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys have any more thoughts before we wrap this one up? And you guys can head to Boulder tomorrow. I'm looking ready. For, I'm ready for this game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I mean, seeing Ralphie run is always special. Uh, big new kickoff, all of that. Um, cu really curious to see how USC does respond because I feel like they realize like we really didn't play that well, and that's you know not playing that well. Caleb Williams like not his best game. Still completing 66% of his passes, whatever it was, accounting for five touchdowns, scoring 42 points. That's sort of like a bad game. And I think USC bounces back from that and scores at least that many points, you know, probably more. And I want to see what the defense does because they can get after Shador Sanders. And, um, you know, you get, you sort of get maligned. You get, there's a lot of questions that were asked this week and you want to answer them. And I feel like they're going to bounce back and play better. Colorado will too. Uh, for sure, but I think there's just going to be an undermanned unit, and there's just it's going to be a lot tougher. Uh, this isn't going to be uh, Colorado State. This is USC, and I feel like they're going to come in and, and really take care of business. I think Colorado will play better than they did last week, too. I think USC will, too, so I agree with you on that. Jack, we talked so much last week about how I, and I talked about it, how ASU hitting rock bottom, who was a bad team to play after hitting rock bottom? It was USC. That really didn't end up being true. Colorado was pretty clearly at rock bottom last week against Oregon. Now they turn around and play USC at home. It's similar in that regard to last week, and I didn't think it was a great spot for, for USC after the fact, obviously, before I did. I look at it a little bit similar. I think Colorado's going to be a lot better than they were against Oregon and give USC not a real knockout blow, but give them a few body jabs. Okay. I could definitely see it. Um, and now the question is, you know, could Colorado win that game? Colorado has never beaten USC in football. This might be their last chance for quite some time as yes. both are leaving to go to different conferences with Colorado going to <laughs> what the a Big story 12 that would be. and USC uh, going to the Big Ten. So USC can, can end this series for, for however long it's going to be over, um, still without having lost to Colorado. So that's, that's interesting. And, you know, that's one of the bigger storylines. There aren't many matchups in college football, especially the people that have been in conferences at the same time that one team hasn't won. There, there, there aren't many <laughs> one-sided uh, conference matchups or matchups in general. So we'll see if Colorado can get their first win. It would be a crazy Sunday here on Tunnel Vision uh, if, if they are able to. Whoa, if, yeah. But 
Either way, I think it's going to be an entertaining game where you're going to have celebrities there. You've got celebrities on the field. Um, it's going to be an entertaining one, and these two teams are very exciting. So we'll see. I, I think USC is in a good spot, but but we will see, and we'll see how much Colorado can test them. Just, I always say, like, we'll see because I, I'm just excited to get to Saturday <laughs> yeah, and watch too. college football. Uh, but you don't have to wait long once Saturday comes. Yeah, exactly. Wake up and <laughs> roll. Wake up, yeah. Try not to sleep in too much. Uh, but, yeah, so you guys will be in Colorado. I'll be here watching from Los Angeles. If you guys are making it out to the game in the chat, enjoy the game, and we'll see you back here on Sunday, 7 p.m. We'll be breaking down the game. Whether USC wins or loses, we'll have analysis here on Tunnel Vision. But anyways, for Ryan Abraham and Connor Morissette, I'm your host, Jack Smith. Thank you for watching Tunnel Vision, and we'll see you on Sunday for more. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.